Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the Youngcast, where we discuss everything you need to know and perhaps some things you don't about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. These monthly podcasts discuss culture topics, interview guests, cover books, and rift on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hello, my name is Kenny. I live in the Boise, Idaho area where I'm the volunteer director with my local church, Young Adult Ministry. And I'm Chris in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm on staff with University Christian Fellowship as a church engagement catalyst and the national coordinator for campus mission, which is an outreach of the Church of the Nazarene to college and university students. And I'm Jeremy in Nashville, Tennessee, where I serve as the university pastor and community engagement pastor at Trevecca Community Church. And And here here we we go. go. As we're recording this, we are in Holy Week here at the uh, beginning of April, end of March. And for, for me, in terms of life, Updates. We just got through a gnarly weekend of storms here in Nashville of possibly some tornadoes, definitely a lot of straight line winds, and then a bunch of flooding that didn't affect our family personally. We are uh, our friends who helped us move in uh, very lovingly call our house uh, Mount Height because the driveway <laughs> is a tad bit steep. Um, and there's no way that water would just go around us. Um, so we we were we lost electricity for a little bit and woke up our kids in the middle of the night because their sound machines went off. But uh, we were good. There's good amount of damage over the last several days here in Nashville, though, which is uh, crazy because it was just over a year ago that we had uh, tornadoes that came through, and it was just about a year ago. A few weeks after those original tornadoes, we had more storms come through that uh, were not nearly as bad, but had knocked out a bunch of power in the city because of trees falling down and whatnot. So it's, I've heard that it's not usually this bad here, and I'm nervous that maybe my family brought the bad weather with us because oh, uh, it's imported it's, from Indiana. It, exactly. Indiana <laughs> with our, with our, our bad weather. Um, so storms. Uh, and then now we're in the midst of getting ready for Holy Week. I've been spending today, we're doing a Stations of the Cross walk, like um, kind of prayer walk, prayer ra- labyrinth throughout our building on Good Friday. That's our like in-person opportunity. We have a, I don't know tradi- if traditional is the right word. What we would normally do in terms of a worship service is our online opportunity. And then our in-person opportunity is a prayer walk through the building. So we've been getting ready for that today, getting rooms set up and figuring out where we we've been carrying crosses throughout this entire building my uh, the youth pastor looked at me at one point and he said uh, would you carry my cross and i was like i don't know how i feel about that but yes okay uh, so we've been getting ready for that and then getting ready and for now a, you're also the youth pastor of the exactly. church. <laughs> that that uh, which <laughs> would be crazy because he's also doing a, a seder passover meal uh, this week as well. So it's a, a very busy week as we are doing a lot of in-person and a lot of online things. We'll have a big Easter service outdoors on, on Sunday. And then the day that we're, we're filming this is an Indian holiday called Holi, which depending on 
uh, I don't know how much the two of you are familiar with Indian culture and for those of you listening, but it's the, it's the holiday where they throw powdered paint in the air. Oh yeah. It's, it's where the color runs kind of originated. And so it's got all different types of meanings depending on what part of India you're in, but it like on a simple level, it's about good defeating evil. It's about throwing paint and about eating really good food. So we're doing the third of those three today and having uh, a few close friends over and eating a bunch of Indian food. So I'm very excited for that. It'll be, uh, we won't be throwing paint. We won't be getting messy. The last time I was at a holy festival was in West Africa when we were in Senegal. They had a big festival. So it was like a couple Indians, including my wife, Ritu, a handful of white people, and then a bunch of Senegalese all celebrating uh, holy uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and we ruined like our diaper bag and uh, several pairs of clothes that we just never got the paint fully out of them. It gave them character. There you go. So storms, Holy Week, it's busy, uh, but in the coming days it'll it'll all be really good stuff. So that's life updates from me. What about you, Chris? Um, no storms here in Cincinnati. We avoided most of that, although my brother is down in Nashville area, uh, Mount Juliet, and their church actually, so he runs sound and does technical stuff for them. Um, He showed me a picture, their parking lot, I mean, there was a wave, it looked like a river running through their parking lot, busted glass in the front of the building it looks like the building's a total loss like he posted pictures and there's water in every room all the chairs that were in the sanctuary got washed into a different part of the building like i just don't even see how that much water gets into a building but something about the way their parking thing was kind of almost a drain area um wow but yeah it was crazy and i didn't even realize like I didn't realize the storms were that bad or what was going on at the time. But anyway, uh, so they're dealing with the aftermath of, of all that bad weather around Nashville. But um, Cincinnati, we're on higher ground. <clears throat> so we're, we were safe through that. Um, <laughs> Not just a bad coffee shop name, higher ground. <laughs> just you're actually on it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sacred ground, heaven's cup. Hebrews. Hebrews. Um, oh, that's goodness. the worst one. Oh my goodness. Um. So family-wise, all is pretty well. Um. Just my kids are all trying to survive the final stretch of this season of educational endeavor. Um. My oldest is about to finish up at the University of Cincinnati, and my middle is about to finish high school and Josiah is about to finish fourth grade. Um, so they're all getting a little, they've all got their own versions of like senioritis, uh, mm. you know, just kind of done with this year kind of thing. So we're plowing through though. Uh, Holy Week is going to be um, interesting. I'm doing a digital Camino experience through InterVarsity. They I saw have, that, that's cool. They, yeah, they have like this study abroad program and since they've not been able to send students on the actual pilgrimage to the Camino de Santiago in Spain, um, 
they created this digital version and made it available to really anyone who wants to participate. Um, so that's been pretty cool. I just kicked that off today and spent an hour walking around a park in my neighborhood. I've got five different spots. I'm going to be walking for an hour mm. each day this week. And it's kind of like guided prayer and scripture and, um, you know, some interesting embodiment of prayer and spiritual disciplines. So uh, excited about, you know, just coming into Easter with a lot of, um, you know, intentionality, reflection, and um, trying to make the most of it, so to speak, and, and not just let it, I feel like it's so easy to just let significant moments on the Christian calendar just kind of come and go without a whole lot of thoughtful reflection and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, trying to figure out how to engage my kind of family on that journey as well and not just be a thing I'm doing. Um, so we're going to play around with that this week. But yeah, all's, all's good. What about you, Kenny? What's up? Yeah, the... I've, I've been thinking a lot about Holy Week and Lent this year and and uh, probably should should have participated in it more somehow. I mean, it's like, it's like I've done it in starts and stops. Um, and and some of that, hold, I think... You, you, we've all been in Lent for the last 13 months. So <laughs> give yourself a break. <laughs> we never stopped. That was the warm-up for the... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll receive that break. I, I've really been thinking this year, though, just being um for the last few years being removed from having a staff position that's in a local church setting like it began this journey of not being as tied to the christian calendar as i formerly chose to be and, and was before and not having responsibilities in it and i just feel like a heathen because I, I see people that aren't pastors aren't called to be pastors and they're like totally into holy week and like you know lent and i'm just like what's i'm just not i don't know why i'm not spiritual why can't i keep up my disciplines why what's 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 the problem so this is how much of a heathen i am this week we um uh, our church does have a, a, a walk through like one hour prayer experience they've done that each year during holy week and i participated in that in the past and and i, I made this week we'll we'll see you know covid makes things kind of different but we we'll see um friday on good friday uh, we'll be celebrating by going to the very first track meet of the season that was canceled because of my boys having to quarantine a few weeks ago because somebody on the track team had been exposed. And so now it's rescheduled and it just happened to be on Good Friday. So that's how I'm going to be celebrating resurrection three days early on Good Friday at a track meet that was supposed to happen previously. And then we're going for the Easter meal. We were going to go over to family, um, just small group of family. And then realized there was a family member coming from out of state. And if they were exposed on the way or anything happened and they were around our boys, then like we're just beginning the slow start to track season. And then they're taken out of track season again. And so we just had to make the hard call, which they totally understood. And we're like, we're just going to do Easter dinner on our own again this year, which is okay. But I kind of miss being around big family gathering that we've had in the past um celebrating the resurrection of christ during the week of passover with a spiraled ham not very kosher mm -hmm. so feeling very heathen-y all my friends are heathens take it slow like that song um well. this 
this uh, last week, last week was spring break for us. Is that spring break for you guys too? Or is this week spring break? How does that fall on the calendars where you're at? Ain't nobody got spring break here. Really? Like they just kept on trucking? Yeah, pretty much. The, the public school system, they had it. It was for most people, it was last week. Um, but none of our universities have spring break right now. So it's a, it's a weird rhythm where we had families who have kids that fall in that category, some doing some travel or, you know, doing staycations, but for everybody who has any connection to a university in the city, which there are a lot of them, everyone stuck around, which is, is maybe a good question to, to segue into our, our culture corner topic that you selected for us, Kenny. Jeremy, are you saying I didn't do it good enough? Come on, man. You no, you did. I was just naming the beautiful transition. Oh, thank I, you. Maybe I should have been more covert about it. <laughs> speaking speaking of spring breaks, Kenny, have you read any material about spring breaks and what college students may or may not be doing this year in places such as Miami? Why, certainly, Jeremy, I have. But before I do that, I'd like to tell a personal story. So... NNU, Trevecca didn't take a spring break in Nashville. Correct. Okay. Correct. NNU had spring break, but then they're doing all classes online this week. So it's like, if you went and got exposed, let's wait and see if you got exposed and then come back to campus the third week. Interesting. So our daughter's been home all this last week and then she'll be home through like, I don't know if she moves back on campus this next weekend. It'll probably be Tuesday. She moves back on campus next week. Um, so that's that's been kind of an interesting thing. And then all, God bless Idaho. Like we've made it off the national map for always being one of the states that's increasing in COVID cases the last couple of nights. Made it back on last night from what I saw or this morning. But um, like all of Deborah's preschoolers, she has people that went to Florida. They took their little kids to Florida for spring break. And now they're going to come back and she's back at her first day today uh, teaching, teaching preschool. Um, and so that kind of got me thinking about, well, what are, you know, I've been hearing some nationally about what college students are doing during spring break. What I've been seeing these stories about universities paying students not to go on spring break, which I think is a great gig. Like I totally would have taken them up on that. Um, but I know that like NNU, like their, um, their like adventure outdoor club, they took a, they rented an RV and there's like a few of them that went to uh, Southern Utah to go to the like Arches National Park and Moab and like all that stuff, which I wanted, I would love to have done that over, over spring break. I rented a cabin, not rented. I, I scheduled a cabin for my wife and I to go to, and she said she'd rather stay home and garden. So that's what we did this last spring break as, as well. So when I see people posting all these things, I'm so jealous of their travels. Um, and when I got, when I started looking into this for, for college students, the stat was 60% of U.S. universities did not have a spring break. And I, that doesn't seem to mesh with the hype that I'm hearing about it in the news and the media or whatever of like all these hot spots where people are flocking to for spring break. And maybe it just, there's no way to maybe mesh and compete those together. But do you guys know of college students that have been going on spring break because i do yeah i think 
to, to your stat thing, one of the things that I've seen is there are um, maybe some of the, I wonder what the size of the schools are that make up that 40%. Mm. Um, if they're larger schools, then that's more students going to different places. But I actually, uh, before we started talking about this offline, uh, had seen some students and I was like, I know where they go to school and that school doesn't have spring break and they're all down in Florida. And uh, I, it was more of just like a, huh, that's like, I took a spring break. That's, that's honestly like with the schedule that this year has been like, I, I, I don't fault them at all to like wanting to go somewhere and keep up with classes, but to, to do something. Now the students that I've seen and tracked, like they're not going to the hot spots. They're like, Oh, we have a, a family member who lives, mm. you know, or a couple friends go to a family's house that lives in somewhere near a beach and they're just that's like, kind of smart. Just get like they're they're getting the 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 pros of it without potentially you know going to to scenes and areas where there might be some type of Exposure covid risk. super spreader kind yeah. of thing yeah so it's um yeah it's a complicated thing like i thinking just about how helpful spring break cuz in a normal year the spring semester just seems like a sprint anyway getting to the end of the year you know, graduation and everything. And spring break is normally a nice, like breath of fresh air to help get you through to the end and not right. having that is, is difficult. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was interesting then to see, oh, there's lots of people who are taking their own spring breaks because they can, because there's a lot of schools that have changed their, you know, requirements for attendance for this year to like here at Trevecca. You just have to watch the class contents, not even necessarily live, like synchronously. If you watch it asynchronously and get your uh, homework and assignments in, like you get counted as an attendance. So like, why not go somewhere mm. a little bit nicer, a little bit warmer, where there's not flooding and <laughs> hang out for a little bit. Or the water's there on purpose. Yeah, the water's there and it's going <laughs> to more or less stay where it's supposed to. So for some students, it's like an early lesson on adulting, like how to manage your, your life and your responsibilities, but yeah. still kind of work in some, some recreational time. I know my daughter is headed to Mexico actually next week with some friends. Um, and, you know, we're not terribly excited about that trip for a couple of reasons, but hey, she's you know, a senior in college, she's got a group of friends, they're going to Mexico, they, um, you know, need a little getaway or whatever. Um, and I thought it was interesting, too, in the in the article, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of schools maybe didn't realize the emotional stress kind of toll mm. that not having a break would take on, um, you know, students, because a lot of people just think of spring break as, oh, it's just a fun traditional thing that happens every March or whatever. But I mean, it really does serve a purpose of helping students catch their breath academically and, and figure out how to just muster enough steam to keep going and finish, you know, a semester and uh, things like that. So not having that a little bit of time to decompress and whatever. I can see that definitely having an effect on students in Cincinnati where I'm at, you know, there's definitely a level of stress and anxiety and like, ah, I just got to get through this year. 
So it does feel like there's a lot of that. Um, I mean, that's every year to some degree, but it does seem a little excessive this this time around. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those COVID and a school year and all that. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a hardwired rhythm, too. I you know we just we anticipate spring break whether you're working full time and you're there's still spring break happening and you hear about people doing it, um, even if you know it's like the kids are home but mom and dad still have to work. There's still spring break and people go on vacations on spring. That's hardwired culturally, I think, into a lot of us and into the major rhythm that affects all of our lives with a school year of, of, of any age. So last year was so weird. I think everybody gave it a pass because it was like the COVID restrictions were just coming at that time. And then you're like oh. leaving where you're at and maybe not even working. Like you can't even be at work. And so it's like, well, we all have this like mandatory weirdness where there's this break happening whether we like it or not and this year it's we're skipping it that's interesting to me hmm. huh. well another to kind of push push to a, another topic here but this makes me think quite a bit about the transition that is happening in a lot of um, churches and young adult ministries college ministries things like that you know, as as a group of high school seniors are looking to finish, you know, their high school journey, um, for a lot of churches, it's a time to figure out, okay, how do we how do we transition these students well to the next season of life and whatever. And I actually was just I was just leading. This only happens about once every four to six weeks, where I facilitate the talk, so to speak, the discussion with my you know, college age class on Sunday mornings at church. Um, and so we actually had a pretty good conversation um, about how that has gone and if they had any ideas of how to reach out and build relationships. But uh, I'm curious about in your context, um, as well as mine, um, how do churches handle this? Um, or how should they handle this whole like passing the baton, like trying to, to run with you know, help students take a step to the next thing. Um, you know, a lot of churches have kind of these graduation step up kind of events every year that is for pretty much every age group, you know, up to high school, um, you know, but then when they get to high school, sometimes that it's not as seamless a transition as it has been for the previous, you know, 15 years or so every, you know, uh, what do you what do you guys think about how that should happen, could happen? Because there's probably there might be some people checking in with us here who are trying to figure this out right now and how to not lose another batch of grads, so to speak. Yeah, I in our local church, we've done a few things historically, and it's been weird for me because I got hired uh, two years ago at the at the end of a school year. And so I haven't really been around uh, like in a no enough time in a non-COVID time to, to think outside much of what we've already been doing, which is there's a graduation Sunday that we do end of April, beginning of May, where it's high school, undergrad, grad, and like doctoral, like anybody who from high school up through their doctorate completes the program, graduates or whatever, that we recognize them in one of our services, specifically for high school grads, then there is like an end of the school year event 
that is like an award ceremony for the youth group. And that's kind of like the final thing that the seniors are a part of. So it gives them a, a, a fun, you know, dress up special like Oscars type event where it also gives them like the opportunity to, to bring like, you know, this is the end of my time in the youth group. And then we do a grad trip or grad like two day experience for those who have graduated that the youth pastor and I do together. And so it's for them as graduates, like one last final thing for them as a group. And then hopefully to also help get me like introduce me more to them. And ideally that the rest of the summer incorporating them into any of the activities that we have with young adults, the area where we still have room to learn. And if you guys have any ideas, I'd appreciate is like then figuring out what are those activities to then say, Hey, we're doing this with other young adults and college students come ahead and join us. So you already have points, more points of contact as you're moving out of high school, but for a number of high school students, like they go to other schools and then are gone for most of the, the school year. So finding a way to not only bridge that, but then to figure out what do we do, you know, in those few months during the summer before they go off to school, knowing it could be six to 12 months before we see them again and how to still bridge that, which maybe I, I think would be something that's pretty consistent with churches. If your young adults aren't sticking around uh, for, especially for college students, how do you stay connected with them in meaningful ways? Because for me, I'm just starting to get to know them, you know, on a deeper level compared to like the youth pastor who's spent the last four or six years with them for those who have been around the whole time. And yeah. yeah, And how do you, I I don't know. I'm still like, still trying to figure that out. We're planning, you know, making plans for this summer with more things on the table that we can do. Um, Also part of me is like, as long as they're connected to somebody in the church, it doesn't have to, to be me. I want to help connect them in terms of the community of young adults, but there are some students where it's like, if, if we can keep them connected, you know, somewhat, even like if it's, it's, if it's with the youth pastor, like that is better than not being connected with anybody. But that transition is a challenging one to, to help incorporate graduating high school students into the life of the, of the church in general. We have the graduating senior recognition and for my for my time at this church for the last man pushing 16 years now there this is it's looked different ways um over the last three youth pastors uh but something as a as a youth staff volunteer myself um that i began suggesting last year and we got close we got close to it and then we had to go back into lockdown again and it just didn't work but we were gonna with with the with the seniors in the youth group um, have a guys group and a girls group and have people that are doing young adult um, that are hosting young adult ministry stuff with our church, like have one Wednesday night a month or every other month or something like that, where just the seniors are together in a guy group and a girl group. And, and the only reason for that was just so the conversation would flow a little bit more freely and, and people wouldn't be, you know, like posturing because it's, it's mixed gender conversations happening. And just to be able to be like, look, you guys, you're young adults. 
and you're about to graduate high school and stuff, what things are you still like wondering or uh, curious about or interested in? Or like, how are you thinking about life after? Just having a kind of a free flow conversation with them, with people that are a part of Champion Young Adult Ministry locally before they graduate to initiate that relationship. We got this close, this close and lockdown. And then the conversation hasn't restarted again. And so I just kind of keep bringing those conversations back to our discipleship pastor and our youth pastor, where which those two seem to be the place that there's overlap when it comes down to me asking questions of stuff that we can do. Like, can we start doing uh, connect again on Sunday mornings and having young adults have a little bit of food and a little bit of fellowship since you're hosting adult like discipleship classes during both services like could that be a possibility well let's meet during holy week or maybe after the week after holy week and we can have a conversation about when we can start that again which is fair enough so that's kind of where we're at with with that I, I i think our church my church has done a really good job of helping sixth graders transition into the youth group um but man we're still finding our legs with how do you help transition and then keep a connection with young adults wherever they may go when they graduate high school that's that's super, super challenging. And the ones that I, that I do reach out to um, it's 50, 50, if they're going to, if they're going to respond back, depending upon what they have going on. I, I, I really wonder for young adults and it's personality driven too. If there just isn't a relational saturation point where they go, I really like it that somebody reached out to me, but I don't really need it. And so I'm not going to respond to it and I've got relationships around me. And so you know, I'm, there's lots of different reasons. That's, mm. that's probably, that's total conjecture, but it's felt that way to me sometimes. Mm. So finding that thing that doesn't just feel like an extra thing for them, but is meaningful, even if it's just reaching out and having somebody that's, that's doing that, I think is important for a local church. Yeah. I really like the idea of, of kind of the bridge thing. Jeremy mentioned that sort of word, you know, doing a, an, a shared event with a youth pastor, you know, sounds like a great, you know, thing to do. I like the year long. I like that idea of during their senior year of high school, if, you know, assuming they're still, you know, plugged in and involved in, in right. the church, you know, at that point, which is not always the case, of course, with juniors and seniors in high school, but, um, you know, beginning to build some relationships, beginning to have some crossover kinds of things. Um, I think this also really depends on what, what is the state of your church um, and what are you going for? And I know some churches, they would not want to say this, but I think they're really going for youth group 2.0. Like they, they want a continuation of, of kind of a youth group for young adults. Um, and I do think it's very tricky to figure out how to do ministry with young adults, not for young adults, but how to do that without creating another sort of silo experience and community. I, I think it is tricky. I think you do have to be intentional in trying to, like I think mentoring, connecting young adults with mentors in the church, I think, you know, engaging young adults, serving in various parts of the church and, um, and getting connected with you know, intergenerationally with other people. Like, I think that's all good. I think we shouldn't 
you know, if a young adult is coming and is actively involved in the church in various ways, I mean, celebrate that. That's, that's great. Um, don't necessarily feel like you have to create, yeah, but we don't have our own space. We don't have our own young adult thing and this and that. Um, not sure how I feel about, you know, some of, some of that, but um, I tried to do something on a district level a few years back called the College Transition Initiative. And I really stole that language from uh, somebody else. I think it's, uh, uh, who's the guy that's in Huntington, Indiana, Huntington, um, Walt Mueller. Um, he had a guy on staff that was doing this College Transition Initiative that was actually a friend of mine. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to steal that. That's a good idea. Um, Basically, with the youth groups on our district, I tried to identify any students that were coming to the University of Cincinnati, you know, the next year. Um, and basically, the summer between graduation and their fall year at UC, I, I tried to meet with them three times through the summer, like at a place on a campus they were going to attend and just having some conversations about worldview, um, you know, where's your, where's your faith? How are you, you know, are you ready, you know, to kind of take your faith to this university atmosphere and, and um, just kind of warning them about some of the challenges that were ahead, but also not just warning them, but giving them hope for how their faith could flourish and how their college years could be the best years of their lives, spiritually, as well as socially and academically in every way. I mean, I have a very high view of like the college experience um, in general and what's possible for students. Um, but anyway, that little initiative, it was very difficult because I didn't have any relational equity, you know, with these students or whatever. Mm. It, it was very tricky because then you're basically depending on youth pastors to really kind of sell that idea to somebody and get them to commit to coming to this event or whatever. Um, so anyway, that didn't totally work. There were some things about it that I liked and that went well. And I had, you know, two guys who actually were part of my ministry for a few years because of that. Um, but, but anyway, I think churches just definitely need to be intentional. And, and actually, like right now, um, at this stage of the year, I'm not saying it's too late, but I do think we've got to do some intentional things through someone's high school year ideally begin connecting and building relationships um, and figuring out, you know, what, what we're hoping for as a church, like what we think a healthy college age young adult, you know, is going to look like. Um, and then of course the trick, the trickiness, you know, Jeremy mentioned with, or maybe Ken, I don't remember now. Um, the whole, all the trickiness about, well, who's going off to college and who's staying around here and, you know, you can invest a lot during that first summer or during the summers, so to speak, on events and trying to gather um, and then just completely lose momentum when everybody goes off to school in September or August. Um, and that can be very tough. If you don't have a critical mass, say at your church, you don't have enough young adults to sort of sustain something um, year round, that can be really, really tricky as well. But, you know, I, um, had the, the response back in that conversation I was in earlier today with the Northwest clergy folks uh, when they had me intro just what I was going to be talking about in a couple weeks 
um, somebody goes, well, hey, I'm really looking forward to this, but we don't have any young adults at our church. And I quickly, they, they sent it in the, they sent it in the chat. And so I quickly sent it back in the Google chat. If you have, uh, if you have grandparents in your church with grandkids, you're like one degree away from, from a young adult. It's like how you think about young adult. If you have a church and it's all senior adults, I bet you they have grandkids or, uh, great grandkids or something that are young adults. Um, and so you can get an older congregation excited about and investing in and thinking about how they reach out to young adults, even though they aren't inside of their church doors or gathering. But I've, but I've also found uh, personally that gathering as a young adult is a really big deal. And so having momentum of being in person is really important in my, in my context. So I get it when people say, we don't have any young adults around. So why are we going to talk about young adult ministry? Because maybe you, you would like to have some young adults around. What, what could that look like? And who would be excited about that? It's having that local person, a champion that's going to get after whatever this thing looks like to help that connection and that bridge happen. Are there any young adults in your life? you know, probably. Somewhere. Right. Do you, do you buy coffee at a coffee shop? How old do you think that barista is? Yeah. Well, this, uh, this gets me thinking a little bit about the book we'll be discussing soon. Um, the not done yet, uh, which will start up in April. Um, and you know, her whole thing, Beth Severson, the author there is, is trying to identify, like she came across basically some research from Christian Smith. And it was one of those terrible, research kind of things where you're like oh the church could could focus on that idea that 60 some percent of students who grow up in youth group you know by the time they're 28 or whatever are going to walk away from the church um but instead she saw a percentage something in his report that said eight percent are coming to know christ and growing in their faith and she was like oh wow let's find out about that eight percent what's going on there yeah um and so that led her to try to figure out in her own denomination, the Covenant Church, I think, um, you know, what are the bright spots? What are the what are the churches doing? Are there some patterns and similarities? So we'll get into that, you know, as we discuss this book. But I think there is going to be some good stuff there for for churches and young adult leaders, young adult ministry leaders to to think about. Okay, what are what are some things that need to be in place kind of culturally and as far as the philosophy and the strategy of ministry uh, here to become one of these bright spot churches. So get into that very soon. Should, oh, Jeremy's going to say something. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to say that I think one of the things that I really appreciated that you just shared a few minutes ago, Chris, was saying that, um, the importance of planning these things out and that it's not that it's too late to do something for these graduating uh, high school students, though it is very close at this point. I think the the flip side of that is it's the perfect time to do something small and to begin planning for the next year so that if you are going to do a once a month, once every other month uh, transition thing with young adult ministry leaders, whether they be staff or volunteer leaders, in your church to get them involved with graduating seniors. Uh, for me, as you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, what are the, what are a few things that even if I'm not in leadership in any way that I can be an extra set of hands to, to hang out at camp or 
at some of the special event things that the youth group will do next year so that I'm growing my relationships, hopefully with then the seniors, but then to slowly begin to build relationships with others as well. So that when it comes time that they graduate, that I'm not trying to nail the whole relationship on the four month transition period, um, especially for those who go off to other places, um, how important that is. And yeah. For, for anybody that would be uh, skeptical about that, that's, this is the reason that I stay on youth staff is so that I have relationships in the youth group. Now I do, and I do that as a volunteer. Um, if I was on staff and had other responsibilities, I probably wouldn't be as maybe available for that. But as a volunteer also, um, there was a need and we were fifth and sixth grade small group leaders. And just to your point, Jeremy, um, being fifth and sixth grade small group leaders before they came in the youth group, I've still got relationship with those kids that are now, you know, like eighth graders and ninth graders of when I was in fifth, sixth grade volunteer, they're in the youth group and whether they like it or not, I've got credibility with them. And, you know, we've been through, we've been through some stuff together. We've had good Sunday mornings and we've had bad Sunday mornings together. Um, and now in, in youth group, they know I care about them, but they know that I'm also going to shoot straight with them, you know? And so I, it's different going from youth group to young adult, but um, I think that there's relational credibility for sure that can be gained in strategically placing ourselves within our churches to, to set up a healthy transition of a relationship with um, intentionally mentoring, discipling young adults. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that book conversation. Should we talk about that a little bit? Like what that's going to look like? We have the last few episodes, but maybe we need to remind ourselves. I, I could use a reminder. What are we doing with Definitely. this book, book thing? I think that's a great idea. Okay, should am, am, am I going to describe it? What is, what is that going to look like? I think what we're going to read. Gonna we're going to read a book. Let's verbally um, process it together. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, what's your last... understanding, Chris, of what this is going to look like? <laughs> well, um, we know I I dabble in the multiverse, so I have <laughs> various interpretations of what's going to happen. Um, I need to use that with my wife sometime. <laughs> but I, I think we're going to, you know, read a chapter a week or something like that. Maybe a little bit more if we get real uh, antsy about it. Um, industrious. But uh, yeah, we're going to dig into this book and, and see what she's saying about, you know, how churches can reach and keep, you know, the nuns and duns, basically Gen Z, younger millennials kind of stuff. It seems like that's what the book is really focused on. Um, yeah, and just kind of chop up each chapter, you know, amongst the three of us and, and see what comes out of that. Um, and then also invite <laughs> that's a great so, visual, see what comes out the other end. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's not what you said. That up, digest and see what regurgitate, can, see what we can process. Okay, so let, let, let me give this a go, and you guys tell me if this is what I previously said before that we're going to do with these Facebook live sessions, or if I'm just making up new things in my multiverse. Thank you, Chris. Um, so th what we've done with the book in the past is we've read a couple chapters a month and we've asked our readers to do that. And so I, I think just as a modest goal, at least for, for April, like we read a couple chapters, read the first couple chapters of this book, maybe the introduction in chapter one, chapter two, but you know, have a couple chapters in, and then we're going to talk about it. Like you just said, and then we're going to have another session where all three of us, maybe two of us, at the very least one of us is going to host 
a number of guests that come on um, and they've been reading the book along with us and we're going to discuss it with them. So people that might be listening to the podcast aren't just getting a, a, a refresher on what the three of us talked about last time. We're bringing in new voices, perspectives, and contexts to um, bear upon the, the reading and, and give us, hopefully, then inspire new insights. Yeah, let's do that. Live on Facebook. And then we'll record that and share it as a podcast later on. Yeah, and I, I think one of the exciting things about that is not only then are we going through another really good book, but then as has been, I mean, it was how this podcast was kind of birth was us sharing resources and then bouncing ideas off of each other. And that's what these episodes at least attempt to do is to then be able to share insights. And as, as we're learning, as we're learning from each other to help those of you who are listening to, to learn as well. And now we're adding an extra layer. We're, we're doubling up on this. We're uh, supersizing the whopper that is the young adult ministry podcast and providing not only extra, <laughs> not only extra content, but additional voices that are going to be processing the book, yes, but then also bringing in unique perspectives. And within those conversations, I know one of my hopes is then to then be able to learn from each other because the importance of these books is not just the content of the resource, but how it applies to our own specific ministry context. And so being able to have those conversations with uh, new and old friends on Facebook Live and, and sharing it on our podcast platforms as well will hopefully not only help each of us in our ministry areas, but then for those of you listening as well to, to give you additional voices as you're journeying in the pursuit of failing forward in young adult ministry. Yeah, I would also just reiterate, you know, something we learned just a month ago at the leadership conference that we helped facilitate a breakout session for um, is that we had this little debrief session after the first day. And I mean, we just had a great time of processing what happened, but also just, you know, what were there five or six of us, five of us in this little debrief session that went over an hour and it just reminded me how helpful it is sometimes to just have a small group of people to engage with and interact with and learn from and as Jeremy's just saying you know to get another kind of layer of um, you know resource and and encouragement and help and fellowship and all that kind of stuff and so that's definitely part of what we're trying to do and some of that is happening I'd say through our Facebook um, community the Nazarene College and Young Adult Ministry Leader Network, I think is what it's called on Facebook. If you want to find that, if you haven't already become a part of that, we'd love to have you engaging with us there in conversations. And then also our Slack community, which you can find at emcast.slack.com, I think. So um, so if you would like to be part of some community, some, you know, sort of com deeper, you know, richer conversations, I would say, and interactivity um, please check us out. Um, I mean, check those out and get involved in some of those conversations. Um, we'd definitely like to see more of this, you know, kind of stuff happening on that level. So, 
Chris, I think one of the reasons we found that conversation so impactful was that we we took that feedback that first day and then we actually changed up what we were planning to do for the workshops that next afternoon based upon the feedback we received from from the participants. And so it was it was it was not just a a rehashing sesh. It like shaped the way that we went about leading and ministry the next day. And I, I think that's our hope. That's my hope. And when I interact with you guys and with other people is like, I'm, this isn't just a, a one-way street um, or transfer of knowledge. Like we're, we want to have some uh, applied things here that are going to make a difference in, in everyday ministry. Are we ready for the outro boys? Yes, sir. So until next time. Fail forward. Be present. And be teachable. See you guys. Peace.